This is the Edify Podcast for the Servant. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm here today with Jim Kazaza. Jim is one of our members here at Piedmont Road. Jim and his wife Lisa. Y'all have been married since 87? Yes, absolutely. 87. That's a, just a little over a decade, something like that. How many kids? We have four. Four lads and lassies? Yes. So we have three girls. Three girls. And one boy. Okay. Actually, the, the, the last two, Benjamin and Emily, are twins. Wow. Yes. Uh, both 27, they are, and Julia, our middle child, is 30, and Elise is 33. So you've got, who said it? set of twins on your side or Lisa's side? <laughs> well, or, or both. I always blame Lisa for that because they're fraternal twins, okay. boy and a girl. So technically, okay. they she dropped two eggs, and I blessed her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for blessing us today on the podcast. Um, we're talking about uh, ministry and different forms of ministry, and we've talked about in the past few episodes ministering for the passion of the church. You know that you have for the people, even though people can get dirty and messy sometimes, you have a passion for those things. You know, passion for struggle. Uh, I've often said that struggle is good because there's good in you, and it's warring with evil, which is which is good. It's it's not good, but it is good. You know, it's good that you have that, and struggle builds your faith. Um, and speaking of faith, Jim, how old are you? You need you need to, you need to know that yeah. for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll tell you. I'll, I'm going to be 63 in October. 63 years old. So a lot of faith in 63 years. Yes. Give us definitely. a little bit of your background, your raising. Well, I grew up in South Jersey, the family of nine. Uh, my parents were Roman Catholic, so went to parochial schools all my life and even went to Merrimack College, which was an Augustinian order that ran that, mm. um, part of again, part of the Catholic uh, religion. So wow. And you met Lisa. You said you weren't high school sweethearts. No. So we yeah. So I graduated with computer science, and my parents wanted me to come back to South Jersey to find something in computer science in South Jersey, which is all farming. That's why they call it the Garden State. And so I struggled <laughs> in South Jersey for a good six months, and then pretty much bid my parents goodbye and went for, went back. To New England, and proceeded to get a job in computers up there. And after probably about a year, after that, uh, a good friend of mine who I used to take care of in college, she was she had a disability. She would come onto campus, and the campus ministry at Merrimack College would line people up, students, to help them. Hmm. So this this young lady was had had a couple of major disabilities, but she would drive into school and then she was in a wheelchair and I would go to some common classes with her. So at that time, after I graduated from college and I got my first job, uh, my friend was pretty, she, she was getting pretty sick and so they needed an in-home nurse. Mm. So at the time, my wife Lisa had moved from Iowa in to Boston and she found that job. She, she interviewed for it and got that job and that's how I met my wife was through our friend. And, um, and she's still nursing today. She is, yes. She's a special education nurse, yes. Phenomenal. Yeah. So that was back in 1987. And uh, no, when I first met her, I remember we were going out to get pizza. And 
we were just we weren't even dating, but uh, she looks good at, either way. Oh yeah, and she she looked at me and she goes, "Listen, I just want to let you know that we're just going to be friends, nothing else." And at that point, I knew <laughs> so that uh, yeah, we she were was a liar. <laughs> she was she was trying to she was struggling because she knew that the, my good the friend of that I had that I really had a crush on me that I was completely unaware of. And so she didn't want, did not want to be in the middle of that. Mm. But unfortunately, Lisa and I grew fond of each other and had an interest in each other, started dating, and it just crushed my friend. Um, so, but we moved on from that. She moved out, eventually got married, and had four kids all up in Boston, mm. young kids. Boston. And, and then we eventually moved down to, to Georgia in 1998. So... You grew up Roman Catholic. Obviously, you're sitting here today, and you're not of that persuasion. Uh, Lisa was Protestant, as you knew her. Uh, what what was she? What what was she? You know, um, was she a member of the church, or was there something else there, or for her? So so Lisa's yeah. So she was you know Methodist Methodist Protestant, and then she was very involved in college with a group called Navigators. And so she was very, her view in a lot of ways in, in relation to God was almost militant. She memorized over two or 300 scriptures. And I remember after we started dating, Lisa literally wrote a book, uh, well actually in her diary, wrote about 200 questions for me to answer. She, she kind of went through a list of, of things, but she grew up and, and looked at God in a very black and white way. Sure. So when we met, she was not about to, you know, transition to being a Catholic, nor was I interested in being Catholic. I was very much at that time uh, disappointed with, uh, with, with Catholicism, and I was seeking. We both were men. But she was out, as she says, to fix me, mm. and so we started. Actually, about a you know after recent after we got married, we started shopping for churches. We started. We went to all different types of churches. We were up in Melrose, Massachusetts, and we went to probably about ten or twelve different places. And uh, during that time, we were we went we went and visited some friends in Boston, and we were just walking around. Uh, I don't know if it was Durgan Park or Quincy Market, and this small group of individuals, or you know, three or four individuals, came up to us, and they had a Bible in their hand, and they said, "Hey, do you, uh, you know, are you are you Christian, or do you know about God? Do you know about the Bible?" And Lisa and I were like, "Well, we're kind of we're kind of searching. We're kind of trying to figure that out right now because we're we're not on the same page spiritually." And, they said, well, would you like to just sit down and, and read the scriptures and just, you know. And at that point in time, we were so, you know, at the, we were so disappointed with, a, with, with our experiences going to different churches that we, we, we were eager to, to sit down with them. Because that's all they said. They just were just going to use the Bible, ask questions. And it was, so we met, met in one of their homes, and they just took out the Bible, and they just said, you know, we're just going to, we're going to just read about what the Bible says about itself. And we're just going to read a couple of scriptures. And I was just blown away by the simplicity of their approach. 
and they invited us into their homes and they, they had a meal with us and they, we talked and, you know, about our past and, you know, and, and we sat down and we started opening the Bible and, you know, reading, reading the various scriptures. And Lisa and I remember after we got together with them, we were on, the, on our way home in the car and we, I would say, honey, what did you think? And she goes, well, you know, it's, you know, about about the Bible, yeah, you know, it is it is the inspired word of God. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. I totally agree. And we, Lisa and I, slowly started coming together on our on our belief that about God's word, and it, you know, these various scriptures just were just brought to us and asked in a very simple way, "What does this mean to you?" Let's let's have a dialogue about it. There was no pushing about a certain dogma or belief or, Mm -hmm. well, this is how we see things. What does it say to you? Mm -hmm. And they would give us a challenge, like, why don't you, you know, if if it is God's Word, what do you, you know, how do you relate to God's Word or how do you relate to God in in view of that? And then we would meet again a week later and kind of do something similar, like, who is Jesus? Or what does it mean to be a Christian? Mm -hmm. You know, studying the whole idea of baptism. And and that, and for me as a Catholic, there were there was I mean, time and time again, there were times where I just I was just blown away by the simplicity of God's word and how clear it was. Yeah. Well, you know it's crazy, and one of the for for those that don't know Jim and Lisa, um, they're, they're two of probably the most what's the term empaths here, um, more more. Um, you know, it's interesting for Lisa to come out such of a a, a background of, of that that rigor uh, to be the person who cares and has seems to have always cared for the the needs of others who can't care for themselves. Mm-hmm. You usually don't see folks who are so so committed to painstaking doctrine and at the same time compassionate for people mm-hmm. who are outside. You usually don't find those things now. I want to be, I don't want to be painstaking uh, unless it's my own pain uh, when it comes to doctrine. I don't want to leave the faith, but at the same time, I don't want to leave compassion either. And you see, folks, it's almost like that we have to sacrifice Scripture if we want to serve. And you see some churches, and maybe you in your 63 years, you've seen folks that they'll sacrifice the sanctity of Scripture for the sake of serving other people. Or, or maybe blending in other people, or being accepting of more of other people, and they'll sacrifice doctrine for that sake. And I don't understand that. And it's, and I've seen people in, in my 36 years, funny how it's 63, 36, anyway, but I've seen folks in my, my time, strong, strong churches and strong, strong doctrine, but they have no care for the weak and faint-hearted. And a bruised reed, they will, they will quench. You know, they'll do the opposite of the Lord. And it's... And, you, you two folks have become some of the most dedicated uh, to truth, dedicated to word, but also dedicated to uh, community. Um, in Acts 2, when the church is established, they went house to house. That was their pattern. And they were selling of things and taking care of things and, and removing burdens off of people. And then you see in Acts 20, at the end of, at the, end of the book almost, Paul says in verse 20 to those Ephesian elders, he says, You know that I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel and the whole purpose of God for you. And he said, I did so 
number one in public, but also house to house. So he was, he was, we know that he was, he was staked in doctrine. He wasn't going to move. He wasn't going to pivot out of that. But he was also not going to do the same when it came to reaching people in their homes. Y'all came out of, you came out of Catholicism. She was more of a militant style um, and merged into this, into this group of, of questioning things, which I think is absolutely providential, you know, and good. And it's amazing how we all come to faith and come to where we are in life in the time that we are. Uh, for different reasons and different things. Some of it was for good. Some of it was, or it's brought good, but some things were great. Some things were not so great. Uh, y'all, how how long were y'all, you said you were in Boston, your children were raised there, and you told me you've worked there before. Um, what about, what dealings of the Boston movement that's, as it's known, uh, do y'all have? And, and what were the great things about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Since they were, what brought Lisa and I together and uh, spiritually. So, yeah, I think it was, I think the initial genesis from the Boston movement obviously came, you know, back in, in Florida with uh, the mainline churches there. There was a young generational group of individuals, campus students, who were going to a mainline church of Christ that was quite dead. And for whatever reason, they decided, uh, Chuck Lucas and some of these other, other individuals decided that, you know, when they read the scriptures, they, it, it came alive to them. They, they were called to bringing the scriptures alive and acting on their faith. You know, the, the scripture that, uh, that really rings uh, really loudly to me is, you know, watch your life and your doctrine. Watch how you live and what you believe persevere in them because if you do you will not only save yourself but your hearers mm, imagine that and yes imagine <laughs> that so to me it, it to me it makes so much sense that there is you know a, um, a you know an orchestra or a concert of unity between what you believe and how you live there there is no separation mm. now unfortunately if you look at that as like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich which is delicious you know, the bread on either side could be your doctrine and what you believe, and the other side could be, you know, how, how you live and, and what, you, what you do. And in the middle is, you know, be, because we're human, the, a lot of it is we just end up bouncing and knocking each other and just making a lot of, a lot. We're, we're just human. We have a sinful nature, and the things that we implement to try and be spiritual, a lot of times just can just cause a lot of angst and, and pain. But... Within the Boston movement, you know, that group of individuals basically challenged the mainline churches there, and they just were not interested at all in trying to, what they call, be disciples, be active and, and called out and, and, you know, be in action in their faith, going out and actually sharing their faith and having, you know, calling people to reading the Bible and having studies with them. and. And, and having expectations, much like what Jesus did. Right. And so that's what they started, this movement, and then they ended up you know, going to Boston. And we were just, you know, back in 1987, 1988, we were just the, the, one of the individuals that they, that they ran into. And we, you know, their, their, their model was, we just are going to live by God's Word. We're, we're not going to have anything else. And if 
if what we're doing is wrong, if somebody sees what we're doing as wrong, then if you can open the scriptures and challenge us and tell us what that is, then we will change and we'll... And so what they did was they had, you know, you, you talked about Acts 2.42, 2, um, they met in house churches. They, that was their focus for the, for the longest time, was they had these small groups of house churches, and then within each house church they had a number of different Bible talks. And so my wife and I, after we became, and I call this became disciples, that's the word that they use, because that's the word that was used in Scripture. Sure. You know, the whole idea of the word Christian was a derogatory term, a negative term toward those disciples. And so they wanted to kind of distinguish themselves, so they used that. But so we would meet in these house churches in people's homes, mm. and we would have a very informal communion service and a message, much like what happens here at Piedmont Road. And during the week, it was, there was some level of expectation on what you do in your life. You know, are you sharing your faith? And are you trying to help people? They would have service projects and try and get people to, to serve and help the needy. Uh, be active, again, in your faith in all different aspects. And, and we just, I mean, we grabbed onto that and it just changed so many different things, not only in spiritually for us, but in our marriage, with our kids. It just crossed over into so many different aspects because we no longer were divided spiritually. We were united, Lisa and I, and we would just go to God's Word. Mm. And they would have discussions on marriage. They would have, uh, with, uh, you know, with married couples, they would have discussions, uh, you know, using God's Word. They would, re rearing kids, they would talk about what does God's Word say. They would always go back to the scriptures, and that's what Lisa and I really valued uh, about them was that they were so, you know, gung ho on God's word and nothing else. You know, they basically called themselves a non-denominational church, not associated with anything. Sure. And we just the relationships were just very deep. We would talk about our sin. We would talk about our struggles. We would talk about our dreams, our aspirations, and we would go out and just. You know, I never thought I'd see myself going out and sharing my faith to just people at the gas station or people in the grocery store, and yet there I was because it, it just brought they just brought the scriptures alive. Right. Um, the whole idea of becoming a Christian was very emotional for me because mm. I struggled being a Catholic because I I could not make the connection mm. between God. It was God was this distant. You know, when you go to a Catholic Mass, there's the priests, you know, and you know, they have this, these, this order that's very, very traditional and very hierarchical, and it's not personal at all. Mm. The Mass is a celebration, they say, but it's, it's very distant in relation to community and into relationship with God. The Church drives what they believe, and that's pretty much... You know, it's there's a lot of tradition in there, but I wanted to know who who God was and how yeah. how I relate to God and who Jesus was. Now, my dad was very much a servant in the Catholic Church, and so I learned a lot of that serving from my dad. He emulated to me Christ. Mm -hmm. He he made himself nothing. You know, when you think about what Christ did and how we're supposed to emulate that. And so I just, I naturally come into serving people because I learned that from my dad. And, uh, which is great. 
Yes. You know, they say that most kids, they, they, they associate God with their father. And, and there's no really no better way to do that than to show your children service in, in the name of God. Right. You know, um, so that was a blessing for you. And, and today at Piedmont Road, <laughs> we're, we're a recipient of that uh, because of your dad you know, of right. that, of that blessing. And, um, so these great, these good things that, that were synonymous with that movement out of a dead church is completely biblical. Mm. It's completely biblical in its, in its seed and its purpose in its presentation, um, to want to, um, not just restoration because there's some churches that will hang their hat on quote restoration well, they're still in restoration mode. We always are because yes. we're always in need of restoration. But, but in a in another because you can have sound churches that will preach sound, but the elders are crooked, and so it's not quote you know and and there there are folks who will worship at a place because quote the preaching is sound, but the brethren or the eldership is as crooked as a dog's hind leg, you know, yeah. and they feel like that they're they're going to be fine that they're right. fine because they they that because the preaching is sound and we don't have. We don't have this or we don't have that. And that's that's a whole backwards analogy. And and realistically, there's no perfect church. There's not. But there's some places like this and this this type of thing. It's restoration in action. It's not just restoration, but it's restoration in action. You know, and I know some churches that in the fifties and sixties they were and even in the early seventies, they were known for their racial um their hatred. Hmm. And and, it, and, it, and their church sign said Church of Christ. And now, here we are totally removed from that. Another generation has come up, and they have taken the term Church of Christ off their sign, and it just says the church at this particular mm-hmm. city yeah. for, for right reasons, for right. right reasons, because in that place, in that known vicinity, the, the COC is a bad thing. And so that's very wise of them to do that. Uh, because I mean, realistically, the church is just the church, you know, and of Christ is just descriptive. But, but this movement, with its good seeds and its good principles and its good promise, and you know, we don't. When I say we, I say the church at large. We are not transparent. We are not vulnerable. We are not that way. Uh, you know, Lisa kind of jokes sometimes. She says, "You can refer to me as the weepy sister," you know. <laughs> but but it's just because she's real, you yes. know. And we all should be that. We, the church, and I've told you and her both this. Y'all, y'all are going to be a great tool in in pivoting um, the emotionalists, the the Stoics out of that. Not only because you are emotional people, but you're serving people, uh, and and that's how you change the game. It, it, I can preach, I can preach on service, and I can preach on preach on compassion. But unless people see it in action, they don't they don't really know it. They don't they don't know it up hand. Much like what you were saying with your dad and seeing service from your youth. When when did things begin to, to change? When did you guys ship out of Boston? You know, there's a song shipping up to Boston. When did you ship out of Boston and why did you ship out? Yeah. So we we got baptized in nineteen eighty eight and um we, for years, probably for a good 10 years, we were involved with that church. We raised our kids there. Uh, my wife and I led a Bible talk discussion for 10 years there out of our home and did many different things. But what started happening, what started creeping in, and I believe it's, bas- it's basically, basically from, from this statement. Where the Bible speaks, we, we speak. Where the Bible doesn't speak, we have freedom. That was... 
kind of an underlying belief, even though they were very much trying to live out and be active in their faith and just use the scriptures as the truth, they had it, they literally opened themselves up to culture and to influence. Now, in the, in the, in, here in the traditional chain, Church of Christ, where the Bible speaks, we speak, where it doesn't, we're silent. Sure. I think that has protected, you know, the churches of Christ, even though, you, you know, to, to your, um, you know, uh, understanding, they tend to be more very traditional and not so active. Sure. But they are protect, protecting and continuing to hold up God's Word as the truth, as, you know, nothing should be added or taken away. So after about 10 years, what ended up happening was they started, they're trying to help people. The church just grew. <laughs> I mean, we had, at the time, we when we were baptized, there was about 1,500 there. And by after 10 years, there was <clears throat> probably plus 5,000. And trying to get everybody on the same page spiritually, being a sold-out disciple, sharing their faith, you know, being real in their relationships, you know, trying to be honest with what's going on. It was, you just, it's, it just becomes a, something you can't manage anymore. Sure. So what they ended up doing was creating, well, like sharing your faith. Instead of just, you know, hey, how you doing? Um, maybe I can go out with you. Um, you know, uh, you, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out how to share your faith at work. Here are some ideas. Let's talk about that and pray about that. What ended up happening more was, um, hey, you know, did you share your did you share your faith faith with three people today? I think that's that would be a good rule. That's just a good rule of thumb. Share your faith with three people, and have you had a quiet time today? You know, again, becoming like a list of mm. items to do, mm. um, and that in and of itself, I mean, people will just grab onto that and. When they come into the church, and that's what they're presented with—a list of things that they have to do—and if you don't do them, "quote unquote," man is not going to be happy. Mm. It's not going to be God's. Not going to be. Um, although what that was talked about, a lot of it was more toward pleasing man and doing things for man. Okay, so that's no different in a lot of other places. Correct. Why are we that way? You think? Is it capitalism? Is it if we don't produce, then we're not profitable? You know, is it is it is it a part of our nature as human beings to be to be entrepreneurs of sorts or to have, you know, yesterday I preached and I talked about uh, structure and children and just just briefly mentioned that children thrive on structure and they strive on discipline. That's a true statement. Is that just something where God has made us to be a certain way that we are inclined to? knowing what we must do and making sure that we get to that and we feel accomplished when we have? I don't know. Yeah, that's a hard question, but it's, it's, it's easy to see why it, why it went really wrong or awry in the International Churches of Christ because they had that open door. Where the Bible does not speak, we have freedom. Mm -hmm. And slowly they introduced things that they just said, well, the Bible doesn't say how we should tell people how to... You know, doesn't say that we shouldn't have a list or, and so they just had freedoms to do these various things that they would just come up with different ideas. Right. Man coming up with an idea. And one, again, there's a, there's a scripture that I always remind myself, and I think I said it to you last night, 
uh, when Lisa was, when you were talking with Lisa, I said, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Don't quote Bible at me. No, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that about your, about your message. I'm just oh, saying I know, in general, I know, I know. With, I'm, I'm with man, we have, this is, you know, our, our propensity is to take things and to try and control them and to try and come up with a better way. You know, you start in Genesis, you know, but what does God say? God says, remember. You know, you think of Deuteronomy, you know, over and over. You think of Exodus when they when after they they crossed over and God had them build these stones of remembrance. Um, you know, God wants us to remember and he constantly says that throughout in the Old Testament. Don't you remember? You know, where I where you know, where you came from, how how I rescued you. People always need to be remembered. But the other thing is that I think that people tend to want to do things themselves and they don't hold scripture up in their lives like they need to and it's it's there's not a fine line about it but i think that for me one of the things i learned going you know becoming a christian in boston was that the bible is true the bible is alive the bible is active and we need to use it. We need to be in it. Mm. Uh, it's something that needs needs to be an integral part of what we do and why we do and how we do. Mm. And when you kind of dismiss yourself or kind of dis, disengage yourself slowly from that, you just, it's, it's this human nature. We just start doing things ourselves. And we have to be reminded and called back to that time and time again. But when we do get reminded and when we do get called back, we have to make sure that we're calling ourselves back to God's Word, not to an idea or right. some guy's idea that says, I'm a good guy. I know I'm going to get you guys to try and follow God's Word, but here are some neat little things you can do. Right. You know, there's a, I read an article one time about guardrails and that guardrails are so beneficial for us and they, they do a great you know, a great uh, a service to us when we're driving down the road and we fall asleep at the wheel or um, we, we, we drop our coffee in our lap and let go of the wheel or whatever. And we're around a mountain curve and that guardrail stops us from going off. Yeah. What the problem is with the guardrail is that it's picked up off of where it is outside of the border, outside of the law of the, of the, of the line that we don't cross and it's brought into that mm-hmm. line, and it's and it's made its own line, and it's in its own barrier. It's right. inside the street, rather outside the street. That's just there for protection. You know, there. It's a. You know, you you mentioned something about you know the statement we speak where it speaks, and where it is silent, we have liberality. Uh, there's a nugget of truth in that, but there's also not a nugget of truth in that um, with certain things and. You know, where, where we speak, we where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where it's silent, we're silent. There's a nugget of truth in that, and then there's also not a nugget of truth in that. But there is so much. I know, I know, folks who can get so bent up and out of shape on what has not been said, and worrying over what has not been said, and focusing on what not has been said. Um, that that Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, the secret things belong to to the Lord our God. So there are some things that he hasn't told me, hasn't shared. And it says, but the things that has been revealed to us and to our sons forever, 
um, that, are, that have been revealed belong to us and our sons forever that we may observe the words of this law. So where does he want us to direct our attention? On what we do know, no. which, case in point, which you keep re- re- referring to is the scripture, is truth, is standard, um, over and over. We don't have to sacrifice service for the sake of scripture, and we don't have to sacrifice scripture for the sake of service. I think, I think you saw and... Lisa saw a great picture of what it looks like to serve uh, house to house, you know, inner city work, um, being there for people, you know, seeing your dad doing it, you know, you doing it in college for your friend and, and, and Lisa and, and see service brought y'all together. I mean, it really did. I mean, for her to be in this position and for this job, you know, with your college friend and then you seeing it with your dad, I mean, service is just who y'all are. It's just who brought you together. And and thankfully, you you two, and, and I wish she was here today, but but the two of you are a great picture of what service and and scripture look like uh, when it's merged together properly because of what you were dissatisfied with in your youth, um, where you were in a very formidable age, formidable age, and where you saw it go wrong. Um, there there's guardrails that you have in your life because you've seen it go wrong. Yes. And so that that's a wisdom that somebody that's 36 doesn't have, you know. And so, you know, I, thankfully I have good shepherds and they shepherd me uh, along with the whole congregation that, that help us uh, stay within, stay within where we should. Um, but, um, but. So I just wanted to finish the thought on, on, on the whole idea of, of leaving, you know, so a lot of, they, they, they had a lot of man-made rules and do this, do that. Um, and what ended up happening was their 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 stats like how many people were being were being were, were becoming christians started dropping uh, how many people were staying in the church started dropping they, you know they were so proud of trying to reach you know the world with uh, a city great i think it was greater than 100,000 people and that was that was their mission was to get to, was to be out there that just started deteriorating when they started introducing man-made things. So a lot of it is you can actually see, well, what's happening in the church? Are people happy? No, people are leaving now. Why are they leaving? I mean, we, we started getting very dis- discontent. Um, we started, you know, we would go to these meetings, uh, leaders' meetings that they would have, and it just became a list of numbers, unfortunately, over time. Mm. And then we had harsh, we would have harsh leadership. And... Uh, our genesis for leaving was on the backs of helping a, a community in the area that we were living in, uh, getting out of, uh, of, a, of a leader there that was very, very harsh. Mm. And we were used as uh, you know, one of the couples to try and help to bridge the gap of what was happening. And so once, once we decided that we were going to leave because things were not changing, they moved on trying to get that resolved, and they they did, but eventually I think it was it was too late, and there was just a lot of things that I ended up realizing I was doing for the longest time I didn't know. I was thinking, I'm I'm doing these I'm doing these things, sharing my faith. It just became a list of dues for man. Mm. I was wanting to please man. I'm naturally very much introverted and uh, fearful. I think a lot of people are, a lot of guys are, but generally speaking, we do not like, for me especially, do not like confrontation. Sure. I've learned to deal with confrontation, and I say this nicely because of my wife. 
you know. Lisa's very much in, can be in your face and mm. very real with what she's feeling. And there's a lot that I had to try and understand about what that meant. I sure. would cower sure. when we would have discussions that were, you know, heated. Mm-hmm. And I learned from people up there how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I learned to realize how to, you know, okay, she's acting this way. And, you know, they had these these really deep discussions and they would draw out God's word and they would bring us together and we would work through things. And it was just beautiful. But all that kind of disintegrated very quickly mm. over a span of 10 years. And we just decided, you know, there wasn't this, this, this uh, holding to God's word. It was more like pleasing man. And there was harsh leadership that really refused to realize that and to, to be humble and then to leave. And so we just said we were just we we prayed about it. We decided we're just going to go and find another church. And so, with the four kids that we had, we had to find a place that we can afford. And Georgia was it. And that's you know uh, the church here was still part of the ICOC. But the, fortunately, the leader that was here in Atlanta did not at all uh, subscribe to a lot of the harshness and a lot of the changes that were going on. He still believed. They still believed. In relational things, they had this church camp that was called the Swamp, that trying to get families involved and engaged with their kids with God, and a place that was safe for your families. Mm. And so we latched onto that for 15, 20 years while we were here, and it was beautiful. Mm. Uh, but again, after a certain period of time, that church ended up just dissolving, and we fi- found ourselves in. In a very uh, in a very disappointed situation with leadership not holding to God's word in in some basic principles, and so we decided that we had to to leave and find another church where we felt that they were that they were that they were going to put God's word before whatever they were doing, and that there were humble leaders. And a friend of ours was coming here. They invited us to come, and we were just so impressed. You know, I remember one time you said, Jake, at the pulpit, you weren't really there, but you were pointing to it, and you said, you know, when I stand at this pulpit, I want to honor God by only stating the things that He's revealed to me through Scripture. That is a, a sacred place when I stand there that I... That I and and you, you hold it and respect and in, in some cases, like in, in, in reverent fear, mm. you know, you don't take it lightly. Mm. And I think that when you stand before God or when you stand with anything spiritually, you, have to, you really have to take account for what you're doing and why. Mm. Uh, and so we, we're, we've been very happy here. And obviously we've seen, we've seen some things, but a lot of the stuff is very, a lot of the stuff here is done very quietly. You know, I was my like I told you my first my first experience to here was like my gosh the singing is terrible and what are people doing they're not doing it. you know a lot of my experience with you know with the ICOC was very in your face was it was very uh, not at, at at a certain point it became very shallow but just very in your face with we're doing this and we're doing that very much a show mm. unfortunately but here after being here for a while I realized wow. Okay, the singing isn't great, but man, the words. I can hear the words now. Yeah. And actually, the singing is great. Yeah. Because I'm singing, I'm worshiping God in my own voice, understanding the words without a show. Yeah. You know, it's just me and God. 
and just trying to get to know people. People were quietly doing things. Yeah. You think of Howard. Um, yeah. Forget his last name, but he writes these little devotionals. Yeah, Howard Eugler. And he sends out these things. I'm like, why does he do that? Yeah. What? He just said, this is my, <laughs> this is my ministry. This is what I love to do. And yeah. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, just different people serving in different ways, very quietly. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa. right hand doesn't know the left hand thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been very, very impressed with that. You know, and it's one of the things about ministry is it's one of the blessings is is that you get to see things and and as a preacher, you know, like we had a guy who lost his wife uh, a week and a half ago, and I was at I wasn't able to go to the funeral because we had our our widow's ministry that day and I lead that, and so, um. But see, we the way that we the way that we work out our visitation is that, you know, some will go this time or some will go this time or whatever. Well, one of the things that, um, like I, I will go see him this week because everything is still, everything's quiet, everybody's went home, mm-hmm. the, the the ground has 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 settled some, and so he's in his isolation. That's the time when you go rush in, not when everybody's there and you know initially. But but anyway, that's that for me. That's. I find it better to talk and serve and, and, and soothe after the 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 show of ceremony is over. Yeah. Because um, it's more real and you right. find them more in a real state. But I I will go to I will go to visit folks and I've been to what I thought was I was the first person there. Mm-hmm. And no, there's been three or four others who showed yeah. up or yeah. called or whatever <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's that's the blessing of ministry is that when you begin to serve your eyes are on service and you see people who are doing so many more things. And the great thing is, is that I don't have to know any of that, Right. you know, and uh, that's some of that fruit, you know, and, and that may be one of those things where, you know, I have to be careful of as a preacher. I can't focus on baptisms or numbers or studies or any of that because that's not my role. My role is just the root, not the fruit. And um, if I begin to gauge my success based off of what's produced, um, that I'm in trouble. Yes. You know, I'm in trouble. And I, and I, and I, if I'm not careful, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in setting up goals and setting up, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing and having place, you know, place, places and things set in order. But if that's my reason, then I've lost it. Yes. You know, I've lost it. But yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on and, and sharing that. And, and I, and I highly value you and your good wife and what y'all bring to the table, not just to here, but, but everywhere. I, I pray we have a, uh, a long life together um you know y'all y'all are uh, the elders asked you to stand up yesterday in in worship or before worship and you know to serve as a deacon i think that's a great a great place you're already doing it you know <laughs> you're already doing it so might might as well uh might as well have um your picture on the website you know <laughs> <laughs> no 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 you don't want my picture i'll put something like somebody else's picture up yeah. on the website yeah uh, yeah i think you know, the, one of the things you asked about, you know, the connection with people, either they're, you know, they have a adherence to God's word and yet they struggle with putting it into, into action. And, um, you know, to me, it all starts, you know, with Genesis and how we're created in God's image. We have this propensity to be like God in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Of course, the world and our sinful nature, you know, hold us back. But you know, and when you think of emotions, I mean, I think at times you can dismiss emotions as right. not something that is associated with being faithful or being spiritual. But I mean, Jesus was emotional when he went to the cross. I oh mean, yeah, 
I mean, there's, he was the God is compassion, and even when you look at what God, how God explains, you know, it describes Himself as our Father. Yeah. You know, we're part of His family. Mm-hmm. We are His children. Mm-hmm. We're brothers and sisters. There's this whole picture of, of a family, from from Genesis to, to Revelation, and you know how you know it's. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing, and I think when you talk about having a church and trying to get people involved with that, I think, or trying to connect with that, I think, I think that's what's a lot of times what gets missed is we are in in God's in God's family, and we're we're all brothers and sisters, and we say that a lot, but how does that manifest itself in a real family? You know, when we went up to, you know, to Elijah, you know, you were sitting there with stone and you you had given him some things and you were kind of doing this, some things back and forth and you were messing with him later he was you know he was messing with you and you guys were playing around I'm like you know that's that's really an important aspect of of connecting of not that it has to be emotional but we need to understand each other mm-hmm. we need to kind of put ourselves in a family environment and be able to talk about those things that are important emotionally um, yeah we have struggles I, I think that's one of the things that I, I wish was more here yeah I wish the relationships were more hey why don't you come over to our house or and let's talk or yeah. let's go out here I don't I see a lot of a lot of it is done here physically at the church but I wish it was more out in community with in, in people's homes mm-hmm. and stuff um, we felt and feel that that's where a lot of the relationships really foster no and doubt. grow and no where doubt. you can actually do things. Yeah, well, during COVID, you know, we had these home studies for a quarter, for 13 weeks, and it was very, there were people who would come to the home study who have never been to this church building. Wow. And they, we had more people involved in home studies than we do on a Sunday night attendance. Yeah. Okay, so that, that says something, that it, it speaks to something. And thankfully, you know, with Paul coming here, and, and the Sunday nights have changed tr- tremendously from just, you know, second worship service to uh, to service groups and connection groups and that sort of thing. And, yeah. You know, and that's a part of the plan is this Acts one initiative that he's doing, and yep. and and you know, first we take care of Jerusalem, then we go to Judea, and then we go to Samaria, right. and that's a part of that 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 phase is that phase is coming up. You know, we've got these groups and set out, and we're trying to get these things going, where people where these groups will be accountable to themselves, and and elders are involved in every group, and they're working with every group and overseeing the groups, but it's a sense of which there is, you know. We, we've talked about shifting the budget to every group gets X number of dollars for benevolence. So like if you have a neighbor who's got a broken leg or a tree has fallen or whatever, well, everybody in your group color goes over to their house and takes care of your neighbor who's not a Christian, you mm-hmm. know, and set funds aside for that kind of work, you know, yep. to reach to the community in different ways, which I think is beneficial. Um, you know, going back to what you were saying and and. You know, you brought up you brought up a sinful nature twice in this conversation, and I think it's good for us to address it. You know, we we shun away from the doctrine of original original sin that Adam has has given us sin, uh, and the, we we know that that's not true. But what is true is that Romans eight teaches us that we've been subjected to futility. Mm-hmm. We we are broken. Mm-hmm. We are broken, and there there's a you you use the word propensity, and that's that's the truth. That we have a propensity to to brokenness, we have a propensity to sin, we have a propensity to, mm. which means that 
all have fallen short. All have sinned. Literally, they lack the glory of God. Yep. So it's just who we are. It's just a part of the nature of human humanity is that we are in need of salvation. Yep. And um, we've got to help people see that, not just from the pulpit, uh, but as Paul and as you and others, house to house, day to day, uh, working with people, getting our hands dirty, being transparent, being vulnerable. Um, but and part of that is humility. I think there's a big oh, part huge. of when you're leading a church oh, yeah. and you have to listen and hear critiques or people's ideas, um, you really have to be open to, you know, you really have to have a humility. I think anybody in leadership has got to be willing to, okay, that's, let me look at that. Let me, rev let me, and again, that was probably one of the things that was, that was lost you know, where we were was we would present things to the leadership and they just fought us tooth and nail. No, no, no. You know, as opposed to really just humbling and not that you have to, everything, everything that I do is wrong. Okay, we're going to change it and do it. Not that you just, you're humble. You People can talk to you and you feel like there's a, there's a two-way communication and that, I mean, without that, you can't grow. No. You got to be willing to make the mistakes. And to me, I'm just like, you know, we're going to have a church. It is not going to be, it's going to be messy. Yeah. It's not, and we're going to make mistakes. And that's just to be expected. I mean, we're going to hurt each other. <laughs> and you have said this many times. It's just to be expected. It's not going to be perfect. But just expect that. Yeah. Expect we're going to make mistakes. Expect that we're going to And you know, that takes people. the burden off of people when they realize that we don't have to be perfect because we can't be perfect. But what it, what's easy for us to do is the checklist, and what's easy for us to do is to come for the worship times and the service times and go home. Yeah, That's easy for us to do, and it's easy for us to hide. And the devil loves it when we do that. Yeah. Well, thank you for pushing us. Thank you for helping us grow in that area, and I have no doubt. We're, we're better for it. We have been since y'all have been here, and, and uh, the whole church, um, you know, there's, some, uh, there's a sense of accountability and transparency that y'all bring to the table, and 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 I hope and pray that everybody gets a, a slice of that pie. And uh, as you said, pride is the problem. Pride is what goes before destruction. And so if we're proud people, uh, the Lord will close that door and yeah. he'll blow our candlestick out. So God willing, we won't be that. And um, But anyway, well, thanks for your thoughts and, uh, and your chat. Glad I could steal you for a little bit. Jake, thank you for inviting me. It's been, it's been a blessing for us as well. There are many many things here that you are doing right and we are very we're just grateful to be here and be part of it me too so me thank too. you for 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 standing up and and being being uh, that light on the hill mm. uh, so. well let's get on to heaven <laughs> yes <laughs> y'all that race that's it well y'all have a good one thanks for listening today